ma è... allora state, state ascoltando il Hard Yards eh... e buonasera a tutti <laughs> The Hard Yards passionate about sport It's gone to the short side Oh it's not gone to the short side It's gone to the trailer And Murray I don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field not you Hi Rob, Zeeb's here just want to discuss the captaincy next He's calling <laughs> And Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score! This is the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. We have a great show lined up for you today. James Downey and Pat McCarry are alongside me here in studio. And coming up in a little while, we're chatting to new Italian international Ian McKinley about his remarkable journey from Dublin to lining out for the Azzurri in recent weeks. But first, we are joined by former Munster player and current Iona attacking backs coach Mike Prendergast. Hello. Andy, how are you doing? Are you well? I am grand. I am grand. Um, James, did your uh, paths cross with Mike early in your career? Um, At Munster. I think it was. I don't know if I was there on trial for a while when you were there, Prendy. Um, just no, I was, I was actually gone. in Bourguin at that, that time. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Already yeah, gone. I knew, yeah, because, uh, yeah. Um, but it, it did cross there a couple of years back when uh, I was doing the A's and That's we were right, with, yeah. uh, under, under Rob, under Rob, Rob Penny. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, um, so before we go into coaching over in Ian, there is some news this week where we have a confirmed that Mr. O'Gara, friend of the podcast, is going for a little sojourn in New Zealand. Um, Mike, uh, as part of the Irish coaching mafia in France, what's, what's your view on this latest move? Um, it's a super move, I think. Um, it's something, you know, when I suppose when a, when a franchise like that comes knocking, that um, you have to jump at it. Um, I just think, you know, from his point of view, he's he's played in all the competitions this side of the world, um, and it's it's testimony to, to himself as well that 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 a team from the northern hemisphere come knocking and it doesn't happen too much, and especially somewhere like the Crusaders, you know, so. Um, it's going to be a massive experience, both both on and off the pitch. And I think Ronan has done it the, the right way as well. You know, he's he's came over to France. He's four and a half years here now. He's, you know, he's, he's building. As I always say about coaching, it's 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 a marathon. It isn't a sprint. So he came in initially as as a skills coach, effectively, and and a kicking coach, and um, worked his way up to a, ta- a defence coach. Now he's going to Crusaders as as a backs, you know, a stroke attack coach. Um, so you know his 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 steps of progression are really really impressive, and it's it's only gonna uh, it's only going one way effectively, and that's going to be as, as a head coach. But he's he's touching on on all bases from coming in as a skills coach to you know I did it myself in in Grenoble. It was a great place to come in, um, especially when you don't have the the language and you know give him a time to to, to settle in and, and see how it worked. And I know from 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 talking to players, I've had players in, in Grenoble, I've had players here in Ionex that 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 have been under Raj up in uh, up in um, Racing and speak so highly of him you know both, both as a coach and both as a person as well you know so um, and I think that the next step he's, he's taken and for, for his family it'll be such a good experience and uh, and you know what I, I, funny enough I bumped into Scott Robinson there in, in Leon Airport coming back um, he was obviously in Dublin I was coming back and uh, he was saying to me that they're so excited to get him over you know so that's a uh, that's a, a, a nice thing to, to, to have coming from the, the head coach as well so um, I think it's it's going to be great all round 
it's it's also nice I think uh, Brandy to see that uh, we're, we have a a coach going to the direction as opposed to us taking in Kiwis the whole time and it's a nice little flip isn't it um, and it shows testament to uh, Rod you know absolutely because it doesn't happen much you know it's something that's, that's I, I know you talk to most coaches this side of the world would they like it they'd love it we, some, some coaches went down for you know kind of shadowing for two or three weeks but that's kind of that's kind of the most you get so it shows uh, it shows how much he's he's valued um, and I know Dan Carter um, had spoke highly of Raj so obviously he's a crusader himself and that would have went a long way and apparently Greg Feet did as well you know so people in the right places and obviously Roger's coach Dan so he knows exactly what he can bring and you know a guy like Dan Carter isn't going to talk someone up that, that he doesn't believe in and, and, and obviously he's huge huge belief in, 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 in Raj and, and what he can what he can bring as a coach but also as a person as well and that's one thing I've noticed over here with the, the wrestling boys that, that speak about him you know he's his he's, uh, he's man managing skills and everything are, are so good because he's such a, a good down to bloke as well you know and that, that's a huge lot to do with it and, and from himself from from a point of view I suppose looking forward you know um, as I said this is the next step going down as a, an attack coach but going down to a culture like that you know and <clears throat> every team is looking for the right culture but down there they have it um, and I know that's something speaking to him there over the last few days that, that he's really looking forward to you know um, so, Mike, I mean, you, you talk about steps there, and you've you've taken a couple of steps over in French rugby. Is that something that you want to explore, like coaching in, let's say, moving to England, or even doing a Southern Hemisphere for your job yourself? Absolutely, if the if the opportunity comes up, um, I suppose. Look, it's it's like anything; you just you can't beat experience. And one thing you would have heard it as a player, you know, and you, you, you believe it, but as a coach, it's something that I'm, I'm massively believing that you just can't beat experience. And that goes back to even my days in Young Munsters as, as a head coach, you know, just from a point of view when you're a young coach and um, from, a, from a point of view of managing players and, you know, every player is different and most players like to be told things when they, when, when they do something well and they like to be congratulated and, you know, it's how you get your, your point across when something they mightn't have done right, but, you want to kind of keep it positive enough as well because um, I just that, that, I suppose that was my first step in, in the coaching ladder and then going on to, to to Grenoble as I said as a skills coach gave me a year and then in his backs coach attack coach so those steps have been I suppose quite similar to, to, to Ronan's as well in a way that you're just learning as you go along and different environments I had four years in, in Young Monsters I had four years in Grenoble my first year here in Ionex and you know potentially maybe who knows? Go to England, or as if something ever come up in the in the southern hemisphere? Absolutely, because for me, it's it's, it's a marathon. It, it isn't a sprint, and we're all learning every day as well. So you touched on it there, um, James. The uh, there aren't a lot of available positions in the Irish coaching market that are filled by Irish coaches. Um, what's what's your view on that? Oh, I I think people see a kind of a Kiwi or hear a Kiwi accent and see a Kiwi CV or a Southern Hemisphere one and they tend to go oh well they're better and you kind of invest it happens across all sports I think you look at like football in England as well and, and even I was talking about one of, the, one of the lads last night and we are talking about I think at one stage when Trapattoni was involved I think maybe in most of the major sports that everyone was a foreign coach like you know and it's like it's great to see someone like, like Rods like Prendy like Birch like all these coaches out there now getting uh, high level experience and if they have to go away to get it 
so be it but to eventually come back I'm sure is uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong Prendy but like people always want to come back and, and to get that experience and, and come back and bring it back and bring something different and bring a different culture and um, look it's the way it's gone so far and uh, hopefully now we've got like uh, Felix there Felix Jones and, and Jerry Flannery and there's a lot of young coaches there who are holding their hand up now which is great to see mm, but you got Johan Van Graan is in now for what two two and a half years um, so that's that's another job locked up um, even if there is like there seems to be a bit of preparation in the longer term but Mike I mean is that uh, our assumption here is that talking to you an Irishman based in France is that someday you want to get a gig at home um, I suppose look I'd be lying to say if, uh, if I said no I'd be lying yeah absolutely it's, it's I suppose for me uh, in my career when, when, when I was at Munster I spent a lot of time on the bench so I suppose I wanted to, to I suppose a change and see could I could I get game time so I moved away and went to Bourgogne for a season and Gloucester for a season and unfortunately got back to Munster which was a nice way to finish up but um, I suppose having the experience of going away playing it kind of gave me a taste of it as well and it's something that I wanted to explore as a coach if, if the opportunity had come up and unfortunately enough it, it did with uh, with, with Grenoble who gave me my opportunity and you know what there's one thing I say about coaching especially in France um with us here, we've we've actually fourteen different nationalities. We've nine different nationalities in 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 Grenoble, and you know what? It's it's from an experience point of view, it's it's huge because you know you've guys with you've Kiwis, you've Aussies, you've obviously French guys, Fijians, Romanians, everything. So you're actually you know you're getting you're getting exposed to so many different I suppose rugby cultures, rugby philosophies, and and the way um, guys look at things from uh, from a rugby perspective. And, so to be the type of coach that would be quite quite open to to, to listening and to, to ideas and you know when we're when we're in the video room asking guys what's what's their opinion and you know what you, you, as I say you throw that into the mix and you obviously have your own philosophy and you back that but you do pick up little bits and pieces here and there um, from the different I suppose um, backgrounds of, of, of players and um, so from that point of view that's I suppose the reason why I saw it as a player and that's the reason as, as a coach that I did want to, to get away because not get away not that I had opportunities at home but to try and um, find an opportunity and believe me I tried I tried the whole world looking and fortunately enough something came up in, in France and um, it's been uh, you know it's been thoroughly enjoy, enjoyable very so so far yeah, Mike. What is it? Yeah, talk about maybe coaches that might come through in the next couple of years. Your your good friends, with Paul O'Connell. Uh, is he seeing all mm-hmm. this stuff? With Raj maybe heading off to Super Rugby, and have you been talking to him about it? Does he does he have an itch to get back involved in it at all? I have. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd speak to Paul regularly, and he does some days. He doesn't other days. It's it's. I suppose. Look, he he sees. Um, you know, as a player, how much time and effort he he put into it. Because I suppose he was the the. You know, when it comes to. To doing his job, he, he he did so much, and he worked in his job, and it was 24 hours for him, whether it was on the pitch and, and as as importantly, and, and more probably off the pitch he did, you know. So, um, and he looks at I suppose coaching, it's 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 you know it's it's a long long season, it's it takes up so much much time, you know. So he sees that he's done it for a number of years. He's got a, a young family now. Um, I know by speaking to him, some days he's he's up for it, other days he's. He's not so sure, but uh, it'd be great to get him into the game. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Because you know, when you speak to him about the game, it's, it's, it's he, um, he's, he's approached it so in, in, intelligent, um, and he's had so many huge experiences. Um, so yeah, so the question, I suppose, he, he isn't 
hundred percent sure yet. I'm sure it's something he's he's he will be making. I'd imagine soon enough, you know, because um, I suppose you can't stay out of the game too long either. Even though he has been helping out in the academy, but he knows he's if he's going to make the plunge, it's it's, it's going to be soon. You know, whether it's at home or, or abroad, he, I'm not too sure. But uh, it would be great to, to 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 see him back back involved because. You know, he's so much to offer to the game and he's got so much respect all over the world. And, you know, um, I suppose if he was to coach at home or abroad eventually to get back, it would be only good for, for Munster and, and, and Irish rugby, you know. And, and what was he like? Because I know when you were at Grenoble that he came over and uh, soaked it all in for mm-hmm. a few days. What was he like on that trip? Was he as intense as ever? Yeah, well, we were soaking things off him, I think, as well. <laughs> um, uh, no, he came over. It was more of, a, I suppose, a, a family break. Um, himself and Emily and the kids came over to us and stayed for for almost ten days. And he came in every day, and you know he just sat down with us, went through stuff, went through, through trainings, and just the way we play with the two four two system, which he was really really interested in, because obviously he played under that like James did with with, with uh, Rob Penny, um, and we just tweaked a few of the things, I suppose, from 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 the way Rob had had, had done it, you know, um, and he was very interested in that. And then he just you know he. The minute he came over, he massive respect already gained by the players, and Paul is a, is very approachable, easy guy to, to get on with. So, you know, the French players, all the different nationalities, were we're gonna have just bouncing ideas off more or just general chat, and you know, he filled in very well and he enjoyed it. And I suppose uh, probably got a, a good taste of it there. And then with, with Munster last year, with the academy and a few development games, you know, he's he has uh, he's he's kept his hand in there. So. I, I would imagine either within the next couple of months, I'm sure he's, he's going to make that decision, you know. But um, no doubt, whatever decision Paul makes, it'll be it'll be the right one for him and, and for his family, you know. So you mentioned two four two at uh, Grenoble. What do you play at uh, Oyana? We play the same. Yeah, yeah, we play the same over here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was wondering, like, you guys have a four G pitch. Is that something that you mm-hmm. have differences as as an attack coach in in preparation when you're playing home or away? Because everything everything else is over there is is grass and sometimes fairly fairly heavy grass as well. Yeah, uh, not really. Just I suppose. Look, we we see when we play at home, we we train on that, um, and it's something I suppose that we're we're more used to. And we look to, to play a high tempo game with that kind of two four two system as well. It just it allows you to feel the field and. Um, have 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 options obviously midfield and and on the edges and um, and try and I suppose pull defences so you've less um, you've less ability to, to to get in slow the ball down or, or get turnovers so you can keep that high tempo you know so um, but yeah for us we we try and use it as, as an advantage as well but you know a lot of teams you play over here you're, you're, as I said we're playing Claremont now this weekend and you're looking for a high tempo there's a team that bring high tempo week in week out you know so. Um, so we sometimes we we'll have to adapt our game on, on 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 who we're playing and and where we're playing. Like you said, if it's on our pitch or or away, you know. So they're the kind of nice little intricate things that that you have to try and change from week to week, especially in this competition. Because a team like us, Ajax, we I suppose we have to try and do do things so much better than the other clubs to try and get a victory. Because the competition is is just getting stronger and stronger. You look at you look at it now. You've Traditionally, your top teams, your Toulons, your your Montpellier's, um, Clermont's, but now on top of that, you've the teams who, you know, are, are financially getting stronger, like Paul, La Rochelle, Lyon. Lyon are, are, are 
have huge recruitment for, for next year. They just signed Nakatasi there yesterday on a five-year contract. So just becoming so, so much harder. And especially, I suppose, for a team like us, like Ionex, it's first year up. So we, we can't start effectively our recruitment till the end of the season. So our recruitment started very late. So, you know, all the, I suppose the good French players are, are the players that are snapped up first because you've got to get your, your French quota. Um, and then and then when you go on the markets, you know, a lot of your good foreign players are obviously are, are snapped up barely because England now market has become very strong as well um, with their salary cap increase. So for a team like us, it's just about trying to stay in the competition. And, and the way it, it's come kind of this year, as I said, your top six, now you've those three or four extra teams. So effectively the way you're looking at it now, it's, it's Oyonnax, Ajen and Breeze battling it out to, to stay in the in the competition and the other 10 11 teams are, are, are you know battling to get into the top six so it's going to become that so for us we're trying to stay in the division stabilize um, and build from that but it, 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 it's very tough yeah it's week in week out it's it's uh there's, there's huge challenges so Claremont nice easy one this weekend for you guys and you know you're in a dog fight down there um James you've got uh, some of Mike's old friends this weekend Young monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, down to Limerick, down to the cookies. So yeah. it should be an uh, interesting weekend. Good research, by the way. Hold on. Thanks very much. <laughs> I do try. Uh, <laughs> I should say well done, Alan. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, yeah, no, tough place to go. Tough place to go. As Prendy knows all about it. So and uh, they've uh, in Keatley's involved down there as well. So changed the way they've they've played uh, a little bit. So. Uh, yeah, tough, 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 tough side. Yeah, Keats had an important part to play last weekend. Mm. Um, that Fiji game turned into a, a little tighter than we thought, maybe beforehand and even during the first half. Uh, James, your view in that game, what what did we learn? Um, first of all, when you make so many wholesale changes like that, it's very hard to actually establish things as opposed to what I mean by that is you have your frontline players, your Johnnies, your back rowers, certain players that you'd always have in the team. And to make so many changes, it's nearly like a trial match, so you're not going to get that stability that I think you'd normally have uh, in a game. So there was always going to be disruption. Um, I think this week will be very different. Maybe he might make a couple more changes to add to the South African team, a stronger South African side um, that we played. But... Look, I was pretty impressed. Like you know, it's, you're still beating a, a very talented side, you know, and with, with a team that have trained together for a couple of weeks. Um, albeit you're in camp and you do are, you are learning, it's still a very mixed team, you know. And mm. the um, Joey Carberry show was fun while it lasted. Absolutely, look, he just uh, showcases his talent there, and everyone knows it. And I guess uh, they know it now. Everyone's confused about where they, where should he play, and the debates up now about is he is he going to stay in Leinster? What should he do? And is that, a re- is that a real debate? Personally, I don't think so. I think like, Ross Burns there, absolutely, but Johnny Sexton plays how many games a year? Um, yeah. There's a lot of game time available at 10. It's just a matter of, where, like, Ross Burns played well, so it's hard to drop him or, or hard to move him. And mm-hmm. you want Joey on the field as well, and Rob Kearney's coming back, so there's going to be a lot of questions now as well of will he get his game of 15? But I think it's he's right to stay real as he plays with a strong side. If he goes somewhere else, is it going to be the right thing? I don't know. Um, I'd like to see him stay raising back his abilities, to be honest. So when you were last in, we talked about what we wanted to see from the autumn tests. I think we saw everything we needed to see against South Africa. A couple of bright spots against Fiji, along with maybe some inaccuracies that maybe, as you say, is down to wholesale changes. 
what do we want to see from Argentina or sorry against Argentina um, I'd like to see a bit of a mix of um, that strong team that played against South Africa with a couple of changes in there I'd like to see uh, more uh, more in the second row um, James uh, James Ryan in there it'd be great to see him play you know I think he's strong player there um, maybe um, obviously I would love to see Joey involved at some point but obviously he's not going to be there and maybe a couple of changes I think of well I've heard that Adam Byrne could be in actually I don't know if you know the past yeah well let's talk about it just because let's say if Conway started the two other games like that if he could Conway of course would be merited because he's brilliant in his first two games but he could start on the bench because he can cover more positions from the bench so that Byrne might get a chance and uh, it, it, like Schmidt told us after the game um that this is his last window of, of experimentation, like because it's all going to get serious after this. So, um, yeah, I'd imagine he'll keep, you know, he'd keep a strong 12, 13 players from that South Africa game, but then maybe just give lads a chance. This is your chance, and and get him in with a few other guys who know the ropes and and see how they get on. So, um, yeah, there'd be no harm, no harm if you'd made one or two changes like that mm-hmm. at all. Mike, from your perspective over in France, what do you see when you look back at Ireland's performance so far in the autumn? Um, I thought they were they were very very strong against South Africa. I just thought their their fundamentals and their basics are so well done. You know, that was the first perform. That was the first game. It didn't look that way. Um, you know, and even from last week, I just thought, you know, what what Joe's trying to do, I suppose, is is you know you you kind of know nearly you're 23, but um, with changes here and there, but. You know, when you look at the young guys, for me, just from the outside looking back, I just these young players that are coming through. There's there's just so much talent there, and they're so confident looking. They don't look out of place. You know, obviously Joey Carvey goes without saying, but you know, you look at as Brian in the second row, as you said, Porter, Stockdale, um, someone like Chris Farrell, who who who's with me here as well, over in, over in, uh, over in Grenoble. There's just so much talent. You know, when you when you um. When you look at some guys that 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 can't even um, get into the into the squad, it's it's you know there's there's, there's such a, a depth chart there now for for Joe to look at and um, for me from the outside, just as I said, looking back, um, there's huge excitement around the Irish rugby and um, you know as I said, your your team or, or your squad, you can you know you won't be far out when I suppose three or four guys sit down and and, and put it together. But now what you can do is if there is injuries. By the looks of it, you can just bring players in, and it doesn't look like there's there's too much of a change, you know. And and those young guys, as I said, their their talent is one thing, but they they just bring that enthusiasm as well, you know. So I mean, you look at as I was going to say there, sorry, a guy like Rory Scannell, who's mm. played extremely well over the last year or year or two, two years, sorry, um, and couldn't even get in, you know. So that's the kind of depth that we're looking at um, in our rugby at the moment, and it's it's exciting, and and the provinces are going strong. And we're starting to, to to really start to produce uh, to produce young players full of energy and full of talent, which is great to see. So Ireland hammered South Africa. South Africa, in fairness, didn't look good. That was part of the, that equation. But then, <clears> Mike, last week they turned over France. Um, how did that go down? Very poorly, actually, <laughs> over here. There's uh, there's a lot of pressure coming on 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 Guy. Guy Novis has lost their last five. I watched the game. It was a, quite a poor game. South Africa were small, but better than France not much better um, and that's why I suppose looking at the Irish result because even the French boys had said it to me you know that, you know, you put 35 points 35 points over South Africa and you know we can't even we can't beat them at home you know so um, 
he has been given Dean Ovis from a point of view has been given a small bit of a licence to, to, from Bernard Laporte to bring in young players he's brought a few in um, four or five especially at half back good players maybe not they don't have that experience at the moment and it probably showed uh, towards the end of the game when they, they need to finish it out but um, yeah it didn't go down well here so huge pressure to play in uh, Japan this weekend um, in, in Ronan's new stadium actually in the their new arena, Racing's uh, new stadium. So, um, probably a surface that might there's there's, there's that uh, semi-artificial uh, surface that that's in I think Murrayfield, and um, it might be something actually that could suit the Japanese because with the, the play with quite good tempo and stuff. So yeah, there's huge pressure to come uh, coming this weekend on 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 Guinovas and, and and the French players because you know when you look at the players and the, the talent they have. Um, have to be beating a South African team like that at home, you know. It's non-negotiable, I think. You know, so. So you're not calling the upset against Japan, no? Um, I think France will have too much. They're emotional. Come out of emotional people. So <laughs> I think they'll just have too much emotion. Emotion this weekend, and um, it'll get them over the line. And Gilles will stay on, and that's where the French will, will carry on. So, grand job. Right, Mr Prendergast, thank you very much for joining us on The Hard Yards. Up next we talk to Ian McKinley about his long road from Dublin to Italy. The Hard Yards, passionate about sport. You're very welcome back to The Hard Yards. A man who you may have heard about in the sports news recently is Dubliner Ian McKinley. The former Leinster player lined out with Italy during their November internationals to round out what has been a remarkable journey for the 27-year-old. He joins us on the line now. Ian, hello. Hello, how are you keeping we're not too bad. Um, there's, I don't know if the Gazette de la Sport carries talk of uh, what's going on in the Irish media, but there's been a huge amount of talk about project players and the three-year rule in the last month with, you know, Bundiaki being among them, etc. Um, we don't often hear about it going the other way. So you're ex-Leinster, ex-Ireland under 20, and now you're an Italian international. Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm hugely proud and honoured to have uh, been able and lucky enough to uh, have been able to put on the the jersey a couple of weeks ago against Fiji. So, uh, you know, it was a fantastic feeling. And, um, yeah, I can understand the the controversy that's that's going around, but I suppose my my response would be that, uh, you know, you can't blame the players. They're just there to play. If the opportunity is there, it's there. Uh, And I know certainly in... In my case, Italy has been there for me when I needed the most. They continue to support me, so um, I feel you know my uh, my performances. Hopefully, on the field will uh, re- will repay that faith. So let's go back because there's there's going to be a segment of the people listening who actually don't really know the full story here. So I want to bring you back to 2009 first. So you're the starting out half on the Irish Junior World Championship team. Team's fairly stacked. Peter O'Mahony's the captain, uh, Jack McGrath's playing, Reese Ruddock is playing, Dom Ryan, Ian Madigan. Um, 2010, things aren't going quite so well. There's been an incident in a game. What exactly happened? So I was basically playing a club game with UCD uh, against Lansdowne and basically a couple of minutes into the game was at the bottom of a rook and unfortunately a teammate just stood on my my face and unfortunately one of his studs perforated my my left eye so um i knew it was pretty pretty serious at the time stood up and all i could see was black and uh the ucd medical staff who were fantastic and reacted really really quickly at the time they just said listen ian don't move uh this is you know pretty serious because the eye was was 
hanging out. It wasn't exactly in the place it should have been and uh, was rushed to hospital um, in the Royal Lion Air uh, in, in Dublin city centre. There I had, had uh, emergency surgery. So what was the immediate impact then? Obviously, like it goes without saying, it's fear, I presume, an unknown. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the operation was, was four hours long, so it was fairly... You know, fairly brutal as it was. You know, as described by my uh, my doctor, and there was quite a lot of damage. So, uh, um, it was literally take hour by hour uh, to see how it goes. And uh, the operation was was successful, but I had to stay a, a week in hospital and had uh, drops put into my eye hourly through the the day and, and night. Couldn't do any physical activity. Um, and then after a week, I left hospital with a patch over my eye, and I was basically told you to stay indoors just in case any bits of dirt or anything flew into your, in, into your eye and with that basically told a year of no um, no physical activity, no running, no gym or anything like that just because it could put too much pressure on the eye but that was obviously a bit, bit frustrating to hear So, but uh, luckily enough you know uh, as the weeks progressed my vision started to improve I could start to see light again which was a huge thing and and as I said, um, the visits to the hospital became uh, became less frequent, and uh, I just constantly got better. And I was able to manage. I was I was able to get back onto the field, uh, back playing with Leinster six months after the initial accident. So six months ahead of any scheduled return. So that was that was positive. Yeah, but at, th- at that stage, there are no goggles. No, no goggles whatsoever. No. So no. what 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 jumped? What changed? Uh, well, um, in, the, in the sense, what changed? Well, my um, from that I developed a, a, a cataract in the eye. For, I required two further operations, and then for, unfortunately, my retina detached um, 18 months after the initial initial accident, and that ended my career at 21. And uh, apart from playing rugby, I always wanted to coach, and I got an opportunity to move over to Italy, where I where I uh, started coaching in a, in a town called Udine, and. Um, from then, basically, in uh, in 2013, um, my brother came over, saw that I was, uh, you know, a bit down. I wasn't wasn't really myself, and uh, he thought, you know, what can I, you know, what can I do to help my my brother? So basically, getting in, in contact with the right people, um, and speaking with World Rugby and uh, Raleri, which is the company that now makes the goggles, uh, they became available uh, at the turn of 2014. Okay, so this was the Brothers McKinley finding a way to get you back on a field where, where you could feel safe with the remaining good eye. Exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, there was already an idea uh, floating around with, with World Rugby, and as I said, uh, Raleigh. Um, but uh, basically we managed just through many meetings and sort of clashing of heads or whatever with the... the project was finally pushed in, in, into fruition as I said in, in 2014 and uh, I played my first game again then in March, 2000, March 2014 with the rugby goggles So uh, there was immediately there was a number of countries that, that signed up to the trial but it, it was an opt-in process as I understand it so if a union uh, for example the IRFU hadn't opted into the trial the goggles were not permitted to be worn in a game within that union, correct? Yeah, so originally the um, World Rugby put out a, a pr- proposal for these goggles and unions had the, uh, you know, um, 
decided whether to enter into this trial or not. Italy were the first ones to to, to enter, uh, and at the time, Ireland, England, and France um, didn't didn't sign up to the trial. Um, uh, but thankfully, as sort of my progression has gone up, uh, playing up through the through the levels, um, that that decision, those decisions have been uh, changed, and and I can uh, fully. I can partake in games uh, all through Europe now, which is fantastic. Yeah, you're you're now the goggles are now not relevant in terms of where you can play against who and what ground. Um, they're they're no longer relevant to your performance as player. Exactly. I mean, I've uh, became the the first person to play uh, in in Ireland, in Scotland, in Wales, in France. Uh, in England and all in all these places with the goggles, so um, yeah, they're they're accepted. They're accepted everywhere now, which is fantastic. Okay, um, now I'm going to ask you what I hope it's not rude, but it is a very honest question. Um, how do you play rugby at ten with one eye unavailable? That seems amazing to me because we need both of our eyes to see our full range of vision. So, have you learned to compensate, or is there sort of certain things you've changed about how you play? Uh, yeah, I haven't changed a huge amount, but there's been a few adaptations. Obviously, uh, I won't give away everything, but uh, there's been a few things. Uh, the, the example I usually use to everyone is that I'm uh, sort of can't see out of my left eye, uh, and uh, I'm left-footed. So sometimes when I put the ball out, uh, I can't see the ball. So certain angles have had to change in terms of the kicking and that sort of thing. So, um, but you you rely a lot on your your instinct and you rely a lot on uh, team communication. So um, you know it's uh, it's it's second nature at this stage now. Do you have players around you who would play differently beside you than let's say uh, another out half in the in, in the game? No, I don't think so. There's no. I mean, as you go up the levels, uh, you, you know you you have to play on instinct, of course, um, but you also follow a. a, a a game plan that you've been you've been given, but um, you know, as I said, you try not to go away from what uh, you, you've grown up with and, and what you know in your in your heart and your head, as it were. So, um, no, I don't think many people. I, I try not to be different. I mean, in the sense that I just want people to see uh, Ian McKinley as a rugby player with or without the goggles. Just want to want want them if you do something well to say, okay, that's pretty pretty good. If you do something wrong, well, that's not very good. Just want to be taken as a normal take it at face value and be a normal normal rugby player so there's a few things going right at the moment uh, there's obviously Conor O'Shea was brought in at the top of the Italian rugby tree um, Michael Bradley's joined Zebre um, but Italian club rugby has been going well in the Pro 14 and also in the Champions Cup you almost pulled off one of the mighty wins against Toulon yeah I think that's the frustrating thing is that it was almost and you don't want to be known as a team that just competes we're you know things are, are definitely going in the right direction here in Italy. Uh, there's a huge amount of talent, uh, huge amount, you know, many many talented players. It's just making sure that the uh, the, the correct uh, avenue is there for them, almost that the structure is in place for them. And uh, you know we're we're doing a lot better. Um, a few results could have gone our way a bit, uh, you know, a bit more. But uh, you know we're constantly working and. Um, we're hoping to put Italian rugby in a in a good place. What do you think is the what do you think the next little step when you when you're sitting there after beating a Toulon or after beating one you know a really big European win? What do you think that Treviso will have done differently? Is it player acquisition or or something else? No, well, I mean, 
not trying to, I suppose, dwell so much on that game, but it's, you know, there's so many different moments in, in rugby games that can change. You know, I think it was fairly evident in the, um, you know, England-Australia game recently at the weekend, you know, that game could have been so much closer than what is, is suggested by the scoreline. Uh, the margins are so small uh, nowadays that uh, it's just really, you know, very, very small moments can make a huge difference. And I think just on that occasion, that was for us a couple of key moments just towards the end. Uh, fortunately, lost us that game. But, um, you know, with, uh, with more experience of getting into those positions, I'm sure we'll come out um, on the right side of a result the next time. Are you still doing any coaching? No, not at the minute. No, doing like tiny bits and bobs. You know, if people ask me to help with kicking and that sort of thing, I'm more than free. Uh, last year, I did a little bit with an under 10 team, but nothing, nothing too major at the minute. But you know, I have all my qualifications in coaching all, all done. So uh, it's certainly something I will, you know, maybe explore uh, in, in in the future. And I'm wondering about your experience with um, with Conor O'Shea. Is he someone you've talked to a lot even before you made your debut? Uh, I mean, uh, before the debut, I suppose, just maybe a couple of times, you know, uh, we'd see each other at, at training. But uh, no, I'm very impressed. And uh, he just wants to do what's right for Italian rugby. And uh, like like everyone around, you know, all the, the, the staff members, all the players. So, um, no, it's been a good learning curve. And, and especially when you're in camp for three weeks, you get to know people. So it's been good to get to know everyone. Has there been any um, surprises for you? Say, any surprises? Yeah, when you're in, uh, you're you're in international camp, it's a different environment. Uh, no, I think you sort of, you know, from speaking to some of my mates before, been in camp and, and that sort of thing, you sort of know what what's expected. So uh, no, it's been enjoyable. Uh, different different challenge, but uh, certainly enjoyable. Um, and hopefully, we can cap off uh, a good three weeks now with a with a good performance against South Africa. Okay, good stuff. Ian McKinley, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, no problem. Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing, really. Remember, Rod, Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> Like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You're listening to the Hard Yards Rugby Podcast on Sports. Joe, thanks for listening today. We're going to look ahead to some of the games coming up this weekend. Um, interesting weekend because we've got the test still going on, but the Pro 14 is back. So, first... Two test rugby, um, Ireland Argentina. Ireland are fifteen point favourites. Oh. Yeah. Um, so James is still with us, right? So mm-hmm. it, Pat, usually this is head to head when yes. it comes to the odds thing. So are we going to get a celebrity stand in? <laughs> For me, yeah, yeah. If you want, yeah. James, do you do you <laughs> do you want to take part on behalf of Mr. McCary this week? And the the, the score at the moment is forty six thirty two to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, go on, go for it, James. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Go on, so go on. So okay. I'll I'll get eye contact with Pat here now just to make sure. All right, there we go. Right, Ireland, Argentina. Uh, Ireland, fifteen point favourites. So do you reckon Ireland can cover that, or will Argentina? And in fairness, they did well over in Italy. 
think a good win out there. 15 points. I think Argentina will be within 15, yeah. Yeah? Mm. So you go on the Ireland side of that? Oh. I would, sorry, you're in the Argentina, Argentina side. side yeah. I will go Look at them fiddling side. already. <laughs> <laughs> Doing, writing these things down. I'm very good at this. Uh, Scotland and Australia. Um, firstly, Jesus, Scotland, fair play. Almost oh, did it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. Oh, Stuart Hawk. Jesus, that would have been one of the all-time great moments. Oh, stop. I know. No. Very frustrated individual after. But look, it's it, it show, look, Scottish rugby is pretty on a high. And look, you see Finn Russell going as well. And... Yeah. Um, a lot of quality players up there and pretty much you're playing with three quarters maybe of the Glasgow team and they're training week in week out and it there is something to be said for that like that having that core you know just together they know what each other's doing um, and they're growing up together as well yeah but it's that uh, when you're in camp you can focus on other small intricacies that, that you don't need to actually do like instead of right we need to get basics combinations everyone knows it everyone knows what they're doing everyone mm. knows things they know Gregor now as well and it seems to be a lot smoother so. yeah no it's good so it's um, unlucky but mm. uh, so they're they're five point underdogs to Australia who um, got uh, it looked like a hammering it wasn't really a hammering at Twickenham um, Michael Checker wasn't happy with some of the calls um, he either called him an, uh, a fucking genius or a fucking cheat <laughs> depending on who you believe and how your lip reading is but there's an investigation we've had two statements no four days now it's been going on this investigation yeah, yeah. so uh, anyway um, you're, I'll, I'll go first and your stand-in can go after me Pat uh, I will take the Australia side of this I think they can beat Scotland by more than five okay um, so in the last one did you go Ireland did you? I went Ireland in the last one okay yeah. I went against you well I'm leaning towards Scotland Um Australia are going to have a performance on the back of a bit of a beating. They're like Checo won't let them lie down. Scotland played well against the All Blacks. Can they repeat it? Yeah, I think they can. Yeah, I go Scotland. Scotland, okay, great. Uh, England, Samoa, England, thirty-four point favourites. Yeah, probably rightly so. Um, Samoans will, in my opinion, do this, do their usual, turn up, try and take the head off someone. <laughs> um, Twenty-five minutes, half an hour. Sorry, I give them a half. I give them more than that. Uh, and then I think England just have too much quality um, interested to see the England team is he going to change it around still think they have too much quality 34 points yeah yeah I'll go with that yeah okay 34 so points is a lot of points Romania beat them last week didn't they so yeah they're in the shit so where, where are you going there I'm going for a miracle Okay, I'm going for Samoa. Oh, it's not a miracle. Thirty-four <laughs> points is a lot of points. It's a lot of points. It's no, it is. It is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go for Samoa to, to finish inside that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Wales, New Zealand. Um, uh, Wales are seventeen point underdogs here. Uh, New Zealand scraped the win in Murrayfield. Um, Wales scraped the win against Georgia. Scraped. I'm not happy about that scrum stuff, Pat. No. Um, considering that. They were the team that got done in by the the French there in the Six Nations, and they were r- rightly complaining about it as well. When when France there was a lot of talk about honour and integrity from Wales mm, after that. Yeah, Howley was rightly banging so. tables. Yeah, and, and and then they get the opportunity to, you know, fin- no, they did get a yellow card, but then surely there was a prop that was in working order. If you can ever call a prop in full working order on the bench, like, um, and surely there was they could have got someone back on and played it out, and they. So for for anyone who for anyone who didn't see this, because in fairness, this was a low key game. Wales versus Georgia was happening yeah, at the same top. time as other games. It yeah. was, yeah. So at the very end of the game, uh, Georgia are mincing Wales in the scrum, um, and it's been happening all day long. Uh, there's we've now into stoppage time. It's thirteen six to Wales. 
Georgia get a penalty about five yards off the Welsh line and the Georgians don't think twice they're like yeah scrum um, it's the, well, the Welsh uh, prop Thomas Francis gets a yellow card he's gone both previous props have come off but they haven't been come off for, for injury it's not mm, an injury replacement tactical. it's tactical um, the two lads are stripped off now maybe it's warm inside the millennium <laughs> but they're stripped off and they kind of look as in, yeah okay which one of us is coming on boss um, and then no one comes on yeah, they don't come on. Instead, sub hooker comes on. It's uncontested scrums. There's a lot of confusion. Um, the referee, some of the utterances. I think there was confusion about rules in France versus rules in the Test arena. But that was a really bad look for rugby. It's not a nice way to end a game, especially when you're the team who's been done over there in France. And I don't know. It's it doesn't sit right with me. And you're I'm really surprised that. They, so I went to the disciplinary people in uh-huh. charge of the autumn. I said, look, in light of this, the statements going on about Michael Cheka, is there anyone looking into the Wales thing? And I, they were very clear. They said there is no investigation and they don't see there being an investigation. So they trust Wales to come up and say, like, it's almost well, their honour, yeah. What do you do? Integrity I mean, of, yeah. what, what's your investigation? You go to the player um, and you say, were you injured? And he says, yeah. Yeah, cramped up. Yeah. You sure? Yep. End of investigation. Yeah, because otherwise you're calling the guys a liar, and it's not like a break. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So well, you were you were talking about it on, on Twitter, though, weren't you? During the week, I talked about a lot of things with, with, uh, just about, with just Neil Neil Uncle Scrum Tracy about it. I think he had a good idea about it, didn't he? About yeah, there's a, a few people have come up with something along these same lines, and yeah, Neil Tracy called it out, um, which was if this situation should happen, where the defending team who is getting minced in the scrum loses a front row and then cannot field a competitive scrum um, they sh- the other team should not be penalised for that mm. so Georgia were going to have a huge advantage having a scrum on the line mm. um, much more so than a tap penalty or kicking by the points was useless um, or going for the line out and so, you, so do you give the choice then to the other team the attacking team say right okay we want, we want you to keep that guy on because we want a contested scrum we're going to take someone else off Oh yeah, and you yeah. give them the choice or something like that something mm. where the game can continue and the team who's been offended against isn't penalised yeah yeah. Um, even, yeah yeah even like we'll keep them honest yeah yeah exactly and even okay, I'm just thinking here out loud but if you had to bring someone in uncontested then go right well you're going to have to we have to have an advantage somewhere so yeah. if you're going to remove a back or something or you know just numerically kind of give us there has to be an advantage somewhere and I don't think this needs to be over engineered but the principle is in place and this isn't isn't a new thing Mm. you know I remember she's playing J4, J5 and sure yeah uncontested yeah they used to hate us because there'd be three back rows in the front row (laughs) (laughs) and it was it was underhand but there was also just getting a team out but this is test rugby shouldn't I look rant over we're not happy (laughs) Uh, Wales, New Zealand 17 points Um, I think that New Zealand can cover 17 points I think they can cover it handily yeah no I'd agree with you on that one I think we've gone against each other on three there so to agree on one's not bad grand right you've done well there I feel feel we're going to have a good week we <laughs> Ganging up, that's all right. Um, and the Pro 14 is back, so we got four four games. The Irish provinces: Ulster at home to Treviso, twenty five point favourites. Um, I will I will go on Treviso on that, even though it, Italy are playing. I will go on Treviso. Okay. Um, yeah, torn on this one. I'm trying to think. I go. I oh, know twenty five points is quite a lot. Um, Ulster have a good few injuries as well. Ulster do. Yeah. No. Hinton here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Teresa 
Thanks, Pat. Treviso, <laughs> right. Two on Treviso. Uh, Cardiff are three-point favourites at home to Connacht. It's close on that one, I think. Um, yeah. As, obviously, the bookies are saying as well. Connacht, trying to think who they're missing. How many Cardiff... Pat, I'm looking for inspiration here. Cardiff are going to miss how many players at Wales, depending on oh. home form. I, I'd probably go Connacht on that one. What's, what's the odds? Three, <laughs> three, three points. Three-point um, favourites, Car- Cardiff. So, Connacht, three-point Yeah, I'd, I'd go with Connacht on that one. Okay. But then yeah. I'm losing by 14 points. So okay, I will go Cardiff on that. Uh, Leinster 20 point favourites um, against the Dragons mm. don't think they'll get 20 I'm going to go Dragons on that one ok I will go Leinster on that one I will have faith in the Leinster second string uh, and Zebra um, are 14 point underdogs at home to a travelling monster mm. there's, a l- there's more to this as well you've got like with Bradley there really have them pump Zebra have been playing decently at home actually 14 points months or uh, ok look I'll go Zebra on that one will you? yeah you sure? yeah is Pat backing you up on that? doesn't matter what Pat have you looked at the yeah. weather in Parma it's no. cold rank says yeah I'm bigger than you Pat okay. uh, I will go Munster right done uh, right a lot of games to look forward to this weekend if you're a rugby fan shut the door strap yourselves in um, we'll see how it all unfolds next we have Twitter questions with James The Hard Yards passionate about sport James is back to answer your fan questions we put out a call this week and these are the best ones we got in use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you ever want to pose a question to our panel first one uh, so the context for this one is the announcement from Northampton and Welsh Rugby that George North is returning to Wales but we don't know who he's playing for. So yeah. that's the context. And the question is from the Black and Red, um, regular listener. Could the same happen in Ireland? The IRFU look to bring back, say, Madigan or Moore or somebody else and just leave the provinces to fight out <laughs> who gets them, right? So is that something we could see happening where they actually do, they do the, the deal first and then find the team afterwards? Um, uh, I'm not Personally, I'm not sure... Okay, I can see how it works, but I, I don't know if it'd be a goer over here. Um, because ultimately, a province is going to fight for him. You want the player to actually want to play for the province, as opposed to. I still believe in there's a there's a an element of. Uh, you could have put Madigan to Munster perhaps uh, before he left and went to Bristol. You could have put him somewhere else. You know, he didn't want to. So why would you force someone to do something they didn't want to do? So, um, so let's say forward, forward, fast forward another season to the end of Madigan's contract, right, mm. with Bristol, um, and the word is that, let's say, Bristol have signed, you know, two Johnny superstars, right? Um, so the IRFU get in touch and say, do you want to come home? And Ian Madigan says, uh, yeah, Grant, will you do this amount of money? And they say, yeah, we will. Who am I playing for? We don't know yet. Well, is, is that going to be weird? Is that going to be weird, you know, creating a competition and potential bad blood at home? Mm, well, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be bad blood, but I, again, it, especially I think with, if you're talking about Ian per se, every player is very unique and different. And But Madigan was very kind of open in saying that he didn't want to play for Munster. So yeah. um, how, would he, how would he turn that one around? Or, might, go, or, might not go down well. Correct, yeah, but, it's, but that's just him and he's had his opinion. Like, I know, you, like, Marty Moore is there as well and, look, there's a hell of a lot of players over there and you t- could have used Tyg Byrne as an example as well. Like, oh, we want him, let's snap him up and then we'll yeah. decide later on. Mm. I think you can take each case in its unique merit and 
divvy it out that way or even speak to the player beforehand look um, we don't necessarily have a, a position or a province exactly straight away to go right this is where it is we want you to come home but we want to get it signed and sealed before mm. you go somewhere else are you happy to kind of wait or would you be happy with going to two or three or would you be happy with all four or, or what or would you not be happy mm. um, there could be something in that in terms of um, snapping them up before someone else signs them but that's it. That's the thing that does make sense. So that you know the word is perhaps out that Northampton are not interested in re-signing him at the same money, right? Um, he he's been out for a good few time, and maybe there's an element of game management. He's got an awful lot of miles in the clock for a young man. Yeah, and yeah. Mm. Wales is it that they've looked to the Irish model and said we have, we can control him when we're at home. Yeah, there's an element of that to it. I think if we're talking about frontline international players as George is who will start nine times out of ten for Wales if we're going to do that with an Irish player who starts nine times out of ten fair enough if we're talking about uh, a player who's a squad player perhaps mm. are you going to bend over backwards to do that to make that happen I don't know um, but if it's one of our main players to so say if it was we go back a few years to Johnny and mm. Mm. we had loads of players playing and we had a, 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 a foreign ten playing uh, Leinster Johnny wants you home and but we need to sign him up before he goes elsewhere. That's a different question then because it's a front line and you want to actually do the right thing by him, but you want to do the right thing by everyone, I suppose, but it's still... It's the internal dynamics of this one fascinate me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I, I, something there's something about the Welsh setup that I always think is they don't... They don't see, I don't know. They do have the rivalry, but they don't seem to mind. And I don't think... Uh, they're happy to go places. They're happy to go to your like your uh, Ospreys, like literally there's, oh, there's Ospreys Dragons and uh, Scarlet. So it's really, but you can throw the, the, the setup is fundamentally different geographically in Wales in that you can throw a coat over the clubs. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're so close yeah. to each yeah. other. It's not the same as the natural north, south, east, and west that we have in Ireland, and we shouldn't forget that mm. it is. It's a different environment. It's artificial is the wrong word, but some of the construct of the regions is also different than it is at home so look um, we will see we, we'll watch from the sideline eating mm. popcorn as this one plays <laughs> out uh, second question from David McCarthy as I watch Irish rugby versus Fiji I have to wonder why the Irish Wolfhounds don't get more games maybe against lesser nations and field new players and combinations place for the A side in rugby yeah yeah I'd love to. No, no, yeah like just one in November even one in the Six Nations as well just to you're under the eyes of someone like you'd have someone like a Farrell Taking the reins of uh, some young lads, you're in with the national team, but then you get a run out. Uh, Do you mean and Andy taking the team? Like, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then it might be a good chance for him to kind of have um, have a go at it, you know, as a head coach as well. And then you play the likes of a tier two nation who I'd imagine would love a game like you know, like a uh, you know, they'd love to play the proper Ireland side. But let's say if you're going to get on Germany, to, yeah, a Germany or a, a Romania or something like that, and say, mm-hmm. come on over, have a game. Um, go out to somewhere like Tala Stadium or something like that. Small stadium is key for these kind of things. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, or Don- yeah, even Donnybrook or something like that. And uh, yeah, like why not really? Like I suppose it's the is it is it too costly? Is that why they don't do it these days? Or you know, but um, yeah, I, I'm all in favour. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a huge advocate of it. To be honest, I used to remember the Friday Night Lights in Donnybrook the night before a six night or mm. whatever it was Five Nations, Four Nations at the time. Oh, you're not that old. No, Five Nations. <laughs> I was like Four Nations now. Um, but like Friday nights, you go to Donnybrook, watch it, and then the the internationals on the next day, yeah. and you see the A team and 
Um, I remember we were on the 19s and Jeremy Staunton was playing with the 19s and then played an A game against Italy and it's a great way to blood players I completely yeah. agree with Pat on that and, yeah. um, and it gets the lads together and just speeds things along I think it is financial unfortunately yeah. it is financial um, and then again are they playing too many games and all these questions come up and provinces won't release certain players look you're going to have your 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 problems down the line but I'm a huge yeah. advocate I think it's brilliant There's only a couple of windows per year when you think of the, the first we have more players involved in the senior international squad now like there's just more players called up and potentially involved and then you've got more overlap with the league so mm. there didn't used to be like Pro 14 there's extra overlap Yeah games um, this weekend yeah, Exactly well. yeah. yeah so you've only actually got probably the first weekend or maybe the second weekend of an autumn Yeah you know and there's a window then in the spring as well I know this like Ultimately, it's going to be either two or three games each year if you're going to do the Six Nations, you yeah. know. So it's not that many, but then you've the way they seem to do it now, depending on where they tour, they normally rest some players, some of the mm-hmm. frontliners, and bring some of the other players along. And look, when I was doing the Wolf fans, the tours they were brilliant as well. So, yeah, there's a twinkle in your eye there. <laughs> there is <laughs> nostalgic, <laughs> right? So, one, two, three, all in favor at this table, anyway. Right. Um, okay, so use a hashtag uh, AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question next week. Right, I have two competitions to read out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got all my words here, James. Uh, we had a competition on Twitter for two tickets to Leinster's Guinness Pro 14 game against the... Were you listening? Dragons. Dragons, yes, <laughs> this weekend. The winner is Dave Fitz 58 so enjoy that game. Uh, the Guinness Pro 14 final takes place in Aviva Stadium on May 26th. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster and... If you were listening to the podcast last week, you will have heard Pat's chat with Lions captain Sam Warburton, and he is a, a DVD enthusiast. <laughs> uh, we asked you how many times Sam said the word DVD, and thank you for all the entries. We actually got a fair few. Uh, the correct answer was eight, and well done to Shane Madigan. And Pat, the DVD is in the post today. It's winging its way in the, in the post this morning, so um, traffic is... Uh, pretty light in Dublin isn't it this morning uh, so Shane is giving you daggers quick. for that <laughs> statement yeah. that's it for yeah. this week um, thanks to James Mike Pat and Ian McKinley Alan O'Knan for producing and Paul Donegan was on sound we'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast subscribe to it on iTunes Podcast Republic SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get us straight to your phone I'm Andy McGeady this has been The Hard Yards we'll talk to you next week The Hard Yards passionate about sport 